As they are going out, if you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We have been in Corinthians and not by uh, on purpose. Uh, I just, the uh, Lord's been leading me in this way. So we're going to stay here. We talked about uh, the, the, the family of God or the body of Christ and how we all love one another, work together one another, many different members, all one body, uh, doing the spiritual gifts that that God has given us. And then we talked about uh, last week about love and, and 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And now we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, I have been saying for probably four years now, one day I'm going to share with you the way that I uh, view speaking in tongues. And everybody goes, ah, uh, this we're not going to go to speaking in tongues in here uh, that I know of, and uh, but I just wanted to, it is a prominent thing today, uh, probably not as prominent was a few years ago, but it's pretty prominent uh, where it comes from, what it's about, what it means, and you say, well, brother Ken, this is not a very good Sunday morning message. We'll take that up with the Lord. He's the one who told me to do this, so uh, I didn't really pick it. He did. Uh, I prayed about it, and I, I actually tried to get away from it, but uh, the, just everything kept coming back to this, and and the Lord just sort of confirmed it to me that deal with it. Uh, it's in uh, His Word for a purpose, so deal with it. So we're going to deal with it today and look at it. You you may not agree with me on some things. Uh, I want you to know there are some things in Scripture that, as I studied this, there's some the preachers that I very much admire. I listen to their take on tongues, and I don't agree with them. I admire them. I very much respect them, but I don't really agree with what they said. Uh, they're probably not going to agree with me. There are some things in Scripture we won't know till we get to heaven. Let's just establish that. And I'm not saying I know everything. This is from what I've studied, what I've learned about it, uh, what I see in Scripture about it. And uh, the best that I can understand it, and I thought I'd share it with with you. Is, uh, uh, but there are some things that we can disagree on. Some things we can't. Uh, there are some things that, that that Jesus is the Son of God. We can't argue that one. That's cut in stone. That he was virgin born. We can't argue that one. That he died for the sins of the world. There's no argument there. That he rose again in three days. There's no argument there. That he's at the Father's right hand making intercession. There's no argument there. But there are some things in Scripture uh, that we can sort of disagree on. Uh, and some do. So with that in mind, just love me if you disagree with me. Pray for me that I will be as enlightened as you are. But until then, I'll pray that you are enlightened than I am. All right. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. This morning we'll start reading verses 1 through 4. And we'll be looking at the whole chapter, but I just want to read these first few uh, verses. Follow after charity, or follow after love, and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. Uh, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. Need to underline that the verse 3 there. 
that that is the call of of our or our duty is to edify, exhortation, and to comfort one another. He that speaketh, verse four, in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. Father, as we study your word and we look at this passage of scripture. Lord, you must want us to study it, to know what it's about, to, to understand it, or you wouldn't have had it in your word. So as we speak this morning, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would just lead me, guide me in the words that I say, cause us to understand the truth of your word, uh, and to be doers of that word, Lord, that we can just encourage one another, lift up one another, and further the gospel for the kingdom sake. And Father, we just thank you for this privilege to stand before you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Alright, so first of all, the problem that they were having, as, as we've talked about in the next few last few weeks, that the church at Corinth had a lot of issues. Uh, this is another one of their issues that they had. Uh, they had difficulty. They were fussing and fighting over who could do what? They were fussing and fighting over, it seemed like, everything. How to give the offering, uh, how to treat people who were living in sin. Uh, they, they had all kinds of issues. In the first uh, book of 1 Corinthians, or letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he was addressing a lot of those issues and trying to help the church to get back on track and to stay focused on the main thing or on the truth of the gospel. So the problem we see, uh, if we go on down to verse 12, he says here, Even so ye, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek you that you may excel to edifying of the church. We get a hint there of what the problem is. Uh, the, the church there was all about the spiritual gifts. They were all about, uh, oh, I, can, I have the gift of giving. I have the gift of prophecy. I have the gift of mercy. I have the gift of exhortation. I have the, and everybody was fussing and fighting over who was the best gift. And they thought that it, was a, uh, they, it put them higher on the status in the church if they had certain gifts. And they were arguing and fussing over this. And Paul says, quit. You're zealous about spiritual gifts, but you're missing the point. Uh, we, he says that in verse 12. Uh, verse 20 says, Brethren, be not children in understanding. Howbeit in malice be you children, but in understanding be men or be adults. Be grown up about it. Uh, reminds me of a couple of kids are saying, well, my bike's better than your bike. Well, my daddy's motorcycle's faster than your bike. Well, my daddy's better than your daddy. That's what I get when I read that scripture. That's what I can picture. Oh, I speak in tongues. Therefore, I ought to have a special seat in the church. Well, I have the gift of giving, and the church wouldn't be here if I didn't give. They're arguing about, do you guys see what's going on here? I think this is what the church in Corinth is doing. It's petty and we think, oh, it's silly, but it happens today. A lot of us have the same attitude that, that oh, oh, I do this for the church. David goes, oh, I lead in music. I ought to sit on by myself over here on the side pew. <laughs> he does that for another reason, and I know why, a very good reason. Uh, but he doesn't have that problem. Robin, I play the piano, so therefore I ought to sit right here and nobody else ever sit in my seat. 
ought to have prominence in the church. Well, Jack can say, well, I'm a Sunday school teacher, you know. Or all the rest. You could do all the things. And, and you see that in the church today. Uh, James talked about giving special pre- uh special privileges to certain individuals of the community. He was the people who weren't so prominent in the church. They got to sit on the back, but the prominent people they brought up and sit on the front pew. And that's no different than today. We see that in our churches today. The church at Corinth had this problem and uh, Paul wanted to deal with this problem. Uh, He tells them uh, in in chapter 13, above all things do what? Y'all listen last week? Above all things, what? Love. Love is the number one thing. And he begins this chapter, follow after love. Uh, He's saying, make this your heart's desire, your aim in life, your greatest quest in life is to love one another. No matter what you do, and we talked about last week, you can have all the gifts of the Spirit, and, and do them perfectly, but you don't do it in love, it's basically useless. You can do anything you want to, and, 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 and I'm thankful for the, the, late, the, the mother's room. That's awesome. But if it's not done in love, it was done for the wrong reason. If we have a fellowship, if it's not done for the love of the people and the edifying, encouraging, and comfort of the people, it's, it's, it's useless. We might as well not have had it. We, we wasted our time. And so follow after love. That is our goal. That ought to be the goal of this church is to love one another and care for one another. He says here in the next part of the, uh, verse 1, desire spiritual gifts. Um, what is he saying there? You ought to look for your spiritual gifts. Why? Uh, the, the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The spiritual gift is a sign of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, I didn't really have this so just a few minutes ago, and the Lord just sort of said, hey, use this verse. So I said, okay, I will. Uh, we have that discussion quite often. He's got to remind me a lot of things. Um, let's see, where was I at? It's first, first uh, Ephesians 1.13 um, it talks about the, well, this Bible, I, 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 I usually print these out in extra large print so I can read, but this Bible is an extra fine print. Um, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, this is first, uh, Ephesians 1 13, heard the uh, word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee, or, or in the King James, it says that the, uh, the, well, I just lost it. The earnest of our salvation, of your inheritance until redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. But look at what it says. After the, you've heard the gospel of the salvation, you've heard that you are a sinner, that there is none righteous, no, not one. But Jesus died on your pla- in your place on the cross. You accepted him as your personal Savior. Then what happens? The moment what happens that, that you're saved? Yeah, you're, you're, the angels are rejoicing in heaven, but you are, fi- you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. 
happens right then, immediately. It is our earnest. It is our down payment. It is a, it is a sign or, or a way that we know that we are saved is that the Holy Spirit comes to indwell us. Now, when he comes to indwell us, uh, he gives us gifts. Uh, he gives us gift to, to, to do the ministry, to do what God has called us to do. And as part of the, the, uh, the, uh, the signs that the Holy, of spiritual gifts are that the Holy Spirit does indwell us. Uh, another sign of the, the, uh, the spiritual gifts is that God has ordained a particular person or action. We see that in Christ. Right? When Christ would come and he'd heal and he'd do all these special wonders and signs and things, it was to confirm that he was God's son sent from God. We saw it in the disciples after Jesus left in the early church and how some of them even healed. They cast out demons. Uh, they, they brought, uh, Peter brought one back from the dead. Why did they do this? So we could say, all hail Peter? No. It was God's way of confirming that my hand is on Peter. He is my one that I have chosen to do this particular job. Hear him. This is what signs of gifts were for. These were what the miracles were for, was to reestablish or to point that this is God's person and, and his hand is upon him to do what he's doing. Uh, it enables a spiritual sign of spiritual gifts, enables us uh, to do the work God has called us to do, as I have said, and to edify the saints and to spread the gospel. We'll see that throughout, the, throughout this whole chapter. Paul constantly says, edify one another, lift up one another, encourage one another. Uh, you know, we're, folk, we're talking about speaking in tongues today, but I don't think the focus is so much on the tongues as it is the teaching and edifying and encouraging one another in the truths of the gospel. That's what he says is more important. So are y'all with me so far? Wow. There's almost an introduction. I'm almost done with it. He says, but the last part of verse 1, rather that you may prophesy, uh, Paul is saying most, uh, the most coveted gift is prophecy. Now he said, wait a minute. Now prophecy's over, Brother Kenny. You're right. The prophecy to foretell the scripture, but basically prophecy in this word, in the sense of this word, and even the prophets of old that Paul talks about later in, in this text, it says, it's the interpretation of the divine will of God and his purpose in inspired teaching and preaching, uh, simply revealing the truth of God's word. So in a way, this morning, I am prophesying to you. That is a gift. I believe it is uh, the, the prophecies, anything new, I believe that's done. Uh, God said, that anyone adds to this book or takes away, there should be accursed. I'm not going to add anything to it. I'm going to reveal what it says. In that sense right there is prophecy. It's teaching the truth or the divine will of God. Um, so it's simply to re reveal the truth of God's word is the prophecy. So we see that in verse 1. First, make love your heart's desire. Desire the spiritual gifts and, and pray, or rather the best you can do is prophesy. 
Why would you think uh, above, uh, uh, under love, what would be the, why would prophesy would be the main one? To teach one another of God's word that we may know the truth of the scripture. Uh, let me go to uh, uh, Ephesians 4. Now listen to this. To, but to each one of us, grace is given according to the measure of Christ's gift or the gift of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. He's talking about the spiritual gifts. When Jesus went to heaven, he, gave, he sent the Holy Spirit who gives gifts to us. Everybody got this? Nod your head if you're with me. All right. They said, now this, now that he ascended, what does it mean that, that he also first descended into the lower uh, parts of the earth? He who de descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fulfill all things. Now, oh, what he's talking about is that the spiritual gifts were given to us through the Holy Spirit to perform what God has called us to do. So now, um, verse uh, 3, uh, But he that prophesies speaketh unto men and to edification, exhortation, and comfort. I told you to underline that, to look at that. That's what we should be doing as a church. That, that is our, our number one thing that we should be doing as a church is to edify one another, to, to, to lift up one another, to, to teach one another the, 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 the scriptures, to know the truth, uh, to exhort one another, to encourage one another, to comfort one another. Uh, that's what we should be doing. So, uh, many say that an unknown tongue and another tongue. Now, if you look at this, he says uh, in, this, in this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 14, many times he says an unknown tongue. In Acts, it talks about another tongue. To me, that's important. Uh, many say that this is the same language, the same thing, uh, uh, and I believe they're right in a way. I believe it is a language. Uh, another tongue uh, we'll look at in just a minute, and an unknown tongue, they are both languages. But I believe there is referring to two different types of languages. Now, this is where me and some people disagree. Uh, not just me, but there's some other people that believe like I do. Uh, that, that an unknown tongue and another tongue are two different languages. Some will say, no, it comes from the, the Greek word glossia. Uh, and, they, and they said, oh, it's all the same word. But why did, and I'm just simple enough to believe that God was, was working with the people who translated this from the original manuscript. Why would they have put an unknown tongue and another tongue and make sure there was a difference between the two? That's not the only place. I don't like taking just a part of Scripture and saying, oh, yeah, that's it. Well, we looked at... Uh, Last week in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, what he said, he says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and the tongues of angels. Again, Paul is making reference to two different types of tongues. The tongues of men and the tongues of angels. 
So I believe if you see it says another tongue and an unknown tongue, there are two different types of languages. One's to men and one is of angels or a heavenly uh, language, if you will. Um, so that's what I believe about it. And there are several references in scripture that, that point to that. The tongues of men, let's talk about them. The tongues of men was on the day of Pentecost, uh, Acts 2, 4 through 8. And it says uh, they were in the, the upper room and, 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 and the Holy Spirit came like a mighty rushing wind. And it says, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues, other tongues. Make a note of that. It says other tongues there, many languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded. Listen to this. Why were they confounded? All these different peoples of every nation were together, and they began to speak with other tongues... And they were astounded because that every man heard them speak in their own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saving one to another, Behold, are not these all which speak Galatians, 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 excuse me, and how hear we, listen to this, now how hear we, every man, in our own tongue, wherein we were born? What had happened there is that the Holy Spirit came, uh, they began to prophesy and to speak in another tongue. Uh, what that meant is if I was standing here and speaking uh, in English and you were Hispanic, you would hear in Spanish. You would understand it in Spanish even though I was speaking English. Uh, if you were German, you would hear in German. If you were Russian, you would hear what I'm saying now in your tongue, in your language. That's another tongue. That was a gift of the Spirit for the time that all men understood clearly, it says. Uh, they understood clearly what they said. Uh, there was no need for an interpreter there. That is another tongue. Okay? I'm just reading, I think there's two different ones, and I think we see it clearly here, what is going on, uh, that there was no need for an interpreter, as I said, they understood clearly what they were saying in their language. That's another tongue, okay? Now, the tongues of angels, uh, this is what I believe he's talking about here in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I said, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh... Listen to that, not unto men. This is verse 2 of chapter 14. He don't speak to men, but unto God. For no man understands him. Howbeit the Spirit, he speaketh mysteries. Now wait a minute. If it's the same language, there's no difference between the two. Why did the ones in Acts understand clearly what was being said and understood fully without an interpreter but now he's saying here, you're speaking and nobody knows what you're saying. I believe there are two different languages. This is an unknown tongue. Uh-oh. Now what do we do? We've established there's two different tongues. Now what do we do? Uh, he says, go on and he says, uh, let me back up just a second. Uh, 14, 14, verse 14 of chapter 14. 
For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. So now if I speak in an unknown tongue, not only do you not understand what I'm saying, I don't know what I'm saying. Okay? That's clear as mud, isn't it? So when they were doing this, not only did the people outside didn't understand, the person doing it didn't understand. And, and Paul goes on and says uh, in verse 18 and 19, he says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. What? That, that you speak and nobody understands? And Paul, you don't even understand. You thank God for that? He's thanking God for something that obviously means a lot to him. It's very fulfilling to him. It edifies him. He tells us that. It is like, uh, have you ever been riding down the road and you're just singing praises to God? And the Holy Spirit just comes on you and tears start flowing. And you're all by yourself. Well, I've done it. These cold chills up and they're just praising God all by yourself. That's awesome experience. It may compare to something like that when they would speak in an unknown tongue. It must have been an awesome experience for them just to be in the presence of a holy God and speak his language. I don't know. I don't know what the language is. These are some of the things we don't understand. But what I do understand is what scripture says about it, which is very little. But uh, this is what I believe this is talking about. So Paul says, I thank God that, but look what he says, yet in the church, I would rather speak five words of my understanding that my voice may do what? Teach others also. Then 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. I would like to tell you five words that Jesus loves you. He died for you on the cross. Is that Five. I would rather tell you that than to stand up here and and nobody know what I'm talking about and neither do I. That's what Paul's saying here. It's more important that you get the truth of the gospel than you see all this going on, that you edify yourself. Verse 28 of chapter 14, but if there be no interpreter, now we're talking about an unknown tongue, let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. So we see from that that there needs to be an interpreter for the congregation and for me to interpret what I'm saying. By the way, interpretation was also a spiritual gift back then. So they needed an interpreter, but it did what? If there was no interpreter, he did what? He spoke to himself and to God. In Acts chapter 2, they spoke to the congregation and everybody understood. You, I'm trying to really hammer out there's two different languages. There's two different things I believe going on here. They're not the same thing. Or why would have Paul said it this way? So in Acts 4, in, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 22, wherefore tongues, so if, if it's just um, a thing that I do and nobody understands, I don't understand, and I'm basically just speaking to myself and to God, why do it? Why was it there? He answers that in 14.22. Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but them that believe not. Now, and i got to keep going. I'm only halfway through and I'm out of time. 
This is not to believe in salvation. Because he goes on and says through here, if you're speaking in tongues, people who are unlearned or unsaved will think you're crazy. So he's, do, he's making a, a distinction between the two here. So who is it that doesn't believe that needs to see this sign, but it's not for the ones that believe? What is that about? I believe this is what we see in Acts chapter 10. Uh, it was the Jews that did not believe that the Gentiles could be filled with the whole, could be saved first of all, and even filled with the Holy Spirit. The Jews knew full well. They saw it on Pentecost. They saw it several times after that the the speaking in tongues and the Holy Spirit speaking from them. Uh, they knew that it was the Spirit that was doing this. But now the Gentiles in Acts chapter sin, Acts chapter ten. Uh, they get saved and they begin to speak in tongues. Uh, Acts 10:45, and, and they of the circumcision, the Jews which, were, which believed, were astonished when they saw this. Uh, Peter, if you come to Acts, our Acts study, you know where we're at. Uh, but they were astonished that these, Jew, these Gentiles were speaking in tongues. As many as came with Peter, these were the Jews that came because that the Gentiles were also uh, also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. It was for a sign, Paul says, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnified God. So an unknown tongue, I believe, was a sign gift. It was to tell the Jews that the Gentiles could be saved too and filled with the Holy Spirit. That was the purpose of an unknown tongue. Now, do we need that today? It's pretty clear that we can be saved, right? I think the Jews are well aware of that and some of them don't even want any part of it. But it's well aware that, the, that salvation was not only for the Jews, but for the Gentile, for the whole world. And I believe it was just a sign gift. He says in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 8, love never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. He's talking about prophecies that are foretold other than Scripture. Whether there be tongues, they will cease. Okay? That puts a big dent in the charismatic movement, doesn't it? Paul says the tongues will cease. They were just for a sign. They were just for a time to show the Jews that the Gentiles could be saved. But yet we still have some today, and they'll even start to tell you that if you don't speak in tongues, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Well, Ephesians uh, 1.13 blows that out of the water, doesn't it? He said, once you believed, you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. That is the earnest of your salvation. So I'm telling you all this so you understand what you believe and that if you don't speak in tongues, don't get all upset and think that the Holy Spirit doesn't indwell you. That's false teaching. All right, I'm going to move on. Verse 6, he says, speaking in an unknown tongue does nothing for the whole, for the body as a whole, it only profits itself. It's only a self-edification thing. Verses seven through eight, Paul gives an example of of musical instruments playing out of tune. 
uh, and, and how some would, uh, they wouldn't understand what you're playing if Matt got up here and just bling bling. Well, oh, if I got up here and played guitar, you'd be like, ooh, <laughs> Brother Kenny needs some lessons. But he's talking about playing out of tune, and it just seems like chaos to the unlearned, to the unsaved. If you're speaking in tongues, it's chaos. They don't understand. And if the congregation of believers don't know what you're saying, you don't know what you're saying, he, re he refers it to a trumpet that calls to battle. Do you know they had several different signals of a trumpet? One meant charge. One meant retreat. They would blow trumpets to give commands because they didn't have walkie-talkies or loudspeakers. And he's saying if you got one guy blowing a trumpet and he's not blowing the right command and nobody knows what he's doing, you got some charging and some retreating. It's total chaos is what he's saying. If you're, if you're doing that and doing it out of order, everything must be done in order. There are, in verse 10, there are... It may be so that many kinds of voices in the world. Uh, he's talking about the different kinds of languages and stuff that are all, all out there. Uh, the different unknown tongue, the, the another tongue. There's all kinds, of, but we have to have understanding. We have to have interpreters. People need to understand what's going on. Uh, but he talks about be careful when you do this. If you're doing it, and, and, and making it up or whatever, the unsaved or unlearned will come in and they'll think you're crazy. They'll think Christians are crazy. Why do I want to be a part of that? And to be honest with you, I, I, I've, I've experienced some of this speaking in tongues nowadays. I remember Robin went to a thing one time. She, she really liked this and we shared it with some and she wanted to go hear this person speak and we didn't know, never seen it on TV or anything, but, before the service, oh boy, they were running up and down the aisles and having holy laughs and speaking in tongues, and she was terrified. She's a Christian. She she ran out in the foyer and got on the, the payphone, called me, said, come get me. I don't know what I've got myself into. But that was her experience. I mean, she's obviously saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, but there was no part of that that bared witness with her spirit. It terrified her. I don't believe tongues are for today. The unknown tongue is for today. That's just, I don't believe it. So the unsaved don't understand, and, and really the Christians don't understand who are not fully filled with the Holy Spirit if you're just making this up and doing it. All right. He goes on to say in the verses 24 to 25 that it, that it is better that one hear clearly to the truth and be saved and repent than to go away confused what they do, what they have just witnessed. It is very important for us as a church to make things clear that we speak the gospel clearly. Now I know y'all are saying, "Yeah, brother Kenny, you need to take lessons." Uh, sometimes I'm a little scatterbrained. I understand, but I want you to understand the gospel clearly. He's saying it's very important that you. And then he goes verses 26 through 40. He talks about let all things in the church be, be done decently and in order as we are instruments of what God who, who is not the author of confusion but of, of peace. When we're in here 
Why do we do things orderly? Why do we have a book? Why did Apollo put the order? We want things decently in order. We, we, no, we're just not running around doing whatever somebody feels like doing and, and making up for attention. This is what the Corinthians were doing. We're not just all trying to get our own attention. We're doing it with one purpose in mind, and that's to glorify God and to spread the good news of the gospel to all men. We're doing it decently and in order the best that we know how. And Paul goes on to say that we've got to do it. And then he gives some rules about speaking in tongues, and you can read them later. And in verse 27, he, uh, you're not supposed to do it but more than two or three at a time. Uh, this is also different from what we see in Acts chapter 2. And that by course, and let, and let one interpreter. So if there's no interpreter, then you shouldn't be doing it. Uh, but if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church. For God is not the author of confusion in verse uh, 33, but of peace in all the churches of the saints. Let everything be done decently in order, because God does things all in order. Now with that said, and, and I probably shouldn't even start this right now because I'm out of time. But there is a verse in here that I just want to touch on for a minute. And we may hit it some more later, Lord willing. Verse 34, let your women keep silence in the churches. Now I wanted to bring that out. Because I got a problem with how that verse is interpreted most of the time. They think women shouldn't pray in church. That women should never speak in church. The women can't teach a Sunday school class. Now God is does things decently in order. And he has a chain of command, you will, or a peck in order, and he establishes how that is. He's always been that way. He always will be that way. And I don't believe it's right for a woman to exercise authority over a man in a church, okay? Doesn't make you less, doesn't make you inferior, it's just the way God designed it. And the women who want to do that, I tell them, go ahead. If you want to answer to God personally, then you just go ahead. If you want that on your back, you go right ahead. I don't think you really do. I don't think you really want it. But God has established. But people take these verses and say, women, you better not say a word. And they get all huffy if a woman prays in church. Well, Paul, now, again, I'm not pointing this out of my own belief, but Paul points it out in chapter 11, verse 5, that when the women pray and prophesy, they should have their head covered. He tells you when you're praying in church or you're prophesying in church, have your head covered. Now, that's a tradition of old times. But he's given the okay for women to pray in church in chapter 11. Why did he just say keep silence? If you ever remember, you've got to keep God's word and everything it says in context. What's he talking about in chapter 14? Tongues. Tongues. An unknown tongue. He's saying, women, don't do it. Well, that wipes out about 95% of the charismatic movement. If a woman is not to speak in tongues in a church, and if she wants to, she can do it at home with her husband. To me, that's what that verse means. That don't mean you can't pray in church, women. That don't mean you can't teach a Sunday school class. And if you teach a Sunday school class with a man in there, uh, some have a problem with that. I personally don't because any Sunday school teacher here is under the authority of me. Okay? 
Not that I'm so high and mighty, but that's just how it goes. Or the authority of the deacons. So I don't, I think if a woman's there, you know, we'll get in that. I know that's opened a big can of worms. But I wanted to touch that a little bit. I want to clear some things. Because a lot of you women sit here and say, oh, I should never say anything in church. I don't never pray in church. I'll never pray in a group setting. I'm not supposed to. I don't believe that's what the Bible's teaching. I absolutely don't. Uh, he wouldn't have given the okay in, in chapter 11, verse 5. So anyway, let's move on. Um, so we've got to keep things in context. But he ends up the, 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 the chapter, Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy, to teach, to tell others of the church, and forbid not to speak in tongues. So if someone is to come in here and they want to speak in tongues as a pastor, I can't tell them not to. And I'm not going to tell them not to. But we are going to go to 1 Corinthians 14 and we're going to do it by the guidelines. No more than two or three at the most. And if you're going to do it, we're going to have an interpreter. If nobody can interpret it, you're not going to do it. I love you, but that's we're going to do it God's way. Okay? That's how I feel about tongues. I finally said it after four years. You can hate me if you want to. You can love me if I like that better. But that's the way I see God's Word teaching about another tongue and an unknown tongue. But most of all, what I want to leave you with is that we love one another. We edify one another. We comfort one another. We teach one another the truth of the gospel. So that all that hear us would understand and obey God's word. Decently and in order and in love. That is what it's about. And I, you know, I've sort of cut on the charismatic. I love them too. I'm sorry they're confused about some things. But I'm still going to love them. They're still welcome. But we're just going to do it God's way and the way God teaches it in his word. I know this hadn't been a very evangelistic type message, but I hope it's been helpful for you to understand God's word. And our purpose as a church is not to just want to have all this spiritual fluff and look at me, but better look at you. What can I do for you? How can I encourage you? How can I comfort you? How can I help you understand the truth of God's word? Uh, Ephesians 4 tells us that he gave us these gifts that we would not be carried away with every wind of dark, that would be established in the word of God. That's what church is about. That's what we do, is to encourage and edify and love one another. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. Lord, even when it's difficult for us to understand and, or take hold of it, I pray now that the Holy Spirit, Lord, just take the things I said and, 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 and make sense of it to your people, that they would hear it and understand it the way you would have them to do it, the way the word, your word teaches us. We thank you for your word and the truths of it. We thank you for each one that's come today. Lord, just thank you for this privilege. And all your blessings to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.